Yeah, we so live. That's what I read Thanks for telling us, Lauren. I'll sit here with you anyway. And yeah. that guy, what an idiot. <laughs> do you, Hello. Do you know what's happened, actually? Go on. I'm, I've grown in size. This is a standard kind of coat. Is it? Yeah. This is, again, courtesy of our lovely... Our lovely host in our office. Not as good as that martini last week. Anyway, sorry, Jonathan. Hello, welcome to Book Club, the show where every week we look at a sales or business book and take it into... Take it to a new level, I reckon, is probably the uh, phrase I'm going to use today, Michael. Um, Lauren, why don't you hit the titles and then let's get talking. We're back. Hello and welcome again. So, Mike, we are on the book Objections by Jeb Blunt. Blunt. Um, Where's your book, Jonathan? I left my book at home. I don't think you so read it. I, I'm, re I'm reading it on the e-reader. Do you know, I, I, passed, I, I passed my English uh, GCSE by doing exactly... Well, I just read the Let's Guide. Have you got the Let's Guide for... Well, actually, the good thing about this, this is it's sort of all got the whole thing in, in subsections... So I'm actually going to start reading the book this way. God, well, listen, we need to crack on because some of the punters, who never liked the video, by the way, have or said that it. we're not... <laughs> so we're not getting to the but point they, enough. But so they we're called gonna, us with criticism irrespective. So we're going to bolt into this. Yes, yeah, so we're going to bring this home today in 30 minutes. Um, so today we're going to bring home and digest chapters four, five, six, seven and eight, yep. aren't we? Chapter four uh, is called The Science of Resistance. Chapter We've read five. That. We did that last week. Did we finish chapter four? Yeah, we definitely did, yeah. Right, in that case, we're going to do chapters five, six, seven, and eight. Yep. So, chapter five, objections are not rejection. Chapter six, the science behind the hurt. Chapter seven, the curse of rejection. And chapter eight, rejection proof. So, let's get straight into chapter five then, Pricey. Objections are not rejection, but the same. I don't think you've read that correctly. It says objections are not rejections, but they feel that way. But they feel that way. So what, basically, you, go on, you, you start with this I'll one. I'll tell you what this is, right? This, this is very, very similar to what Sandler says, and it's, and, it, and, you know, much of this book, I do like this book, actually, but what I feel like it, it is, is a magnifying glass into things that I've already been told a lot in different ways, but this guy tells it more, more simply, and I wish that I'd read this book first, is the simple reality, than the others. But actually, I was taught something years and years and years and years ago, probably by you, I would suspect, and it was a rejection is normally a request for further information. An objection is a request for further information. Yes, an objection is a, a That's request what I was always taught. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I don't know whether it's this chapter or further on. If they don't want to deal with you, they're going to tell you to F off and put well, the phone he, down. Well, he actually splits it, doesn't he, into uh, rejection, objections and questions. Correct, yeah, correct. And Correct. actually, I thought that in and of itself as a distinction was very I don't useful. know if it's in this chapter, though. No, it's, I but, think, in a later chapter. But, but yes. Oh, no, no, it's this chapter. Look, rejection sounds like this. Get the hell out of my office, you moron. Take me off your <laughs> effing mailing list and never call me again. I like that. But that's rejection. Yeah. Yeah, that is. Whereas actually what Blount's going to say, or Blunt or whatever his name is, he's going to say, listen, you just, I'm just really busy where I am. He's going to say that's an objection, not rejection. Yes. And that's his distinction. And that's yes. really what the tale of this chapter tells us. Absolutely. And I do think that's 100% right. Absolutely. And then what he's also saying is, 
you know, I made a note last night when I was reading this. People, you know, often you speak to people, you bump into a guy in the pub and he says, oh, I was in sales, but I got out of it. I couldn't handle the rejection. And actually, what he said Funny is... that, yeah, you do hear that a lot, actually. I couldn't handle the rejection. It was just constant, endless rejection. They weren't being rejected. Actually, what was happening was they just weren't handling objections. Yes, correct. Um, and they mistook it for the and for they, rejection. And, 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 and they mistook it for rejection and the feelings that rejection creates. And what he's saying is that rejection is something that hurts. Now, you're an odd little ball because you just don't care. No, I don't bother me in any way. But actually, 99% of the candidates that we work with, 99% of the salespeople we work that. with... I don't believe that. I don't think they do. They do. I don't think they do. It'd be interesting if anybody questioned, you know, came in on it. I could think of one candidate I was just talking to the client about, literally just, you know, so I was a couple of minutes late. And interestingly, you know, uh, he's another Yorkshire man. I don't think he cares at all. My mate, Ollie Newman. Well, he was my mate, but we never go out to the pub anymore, Ollie. You don't call me, you don't write. You know, I know that he doesn't care. I don't think he could care less. But that's why he's a good guy. Because he's got good at... Oh, so you're saying that not caring constitutes a good guy? I think it's a component part of being good at the job. And that's very much what we're going to see later on in the book, is the point is being good at not flipping, worrying or caring really about being objective. Because what Sandler would say, and this is actually one of the few things about Sandler I thought he put it in a way that I'd never heard it before, is... Sandler would say, they are not uh, rejecting you, they are rejecting your service. Yeah, that's his semantic differentiation in order to make his trainees on his sales courses feel a little bit better but don't you about think that, being objective. But, but don't you think that this is the same with Blunt? He's just, he's just reframing it so he can cope with it more easily. Yeah. I, think, I mean, that, this particular chapter is incredibly short, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, the next um, one's sure, I think. You know, objections are not rejection. Objections are signs of confusion concerns, the sorting out of options, subconscious cognitive biases, risk aversion, cognitive overload, and the fear of change. Objections are a natural part of the human decision-making process. In most cases, objections are a sign your prospect is still engaged. This is what we were taught, isn't it? It's a request for further information. It's a help me out here. Do you know, and at the time, I just thought that was Dave Shields, uh, and you, and Steve Griffith trying to bully me into believing something that wasn't the case to but keep it, me on the phone. But it's not, you know, I'm looking at... But it was true, but that's my point. If you said that to a young salesperson who's never, who's never, who's, who's never sold anything before and it's their first job or they're a telesalesperson or something like that, to get them to truly believe that would be a very important thing to do. Yeah, I, I got hit with an objection this morning. and it, I think a lot of recruiters would have flapped. But not Johnny Gray. But, well, but not Johnny Gray. <laughs> uh, but actually, it was a perfectly fair... What the, the candidate was asking was a perfectly fair point was that he had concerns over a certain element of the organisation's facility to deliver based on the speed at which they'd grown. And actually, a lot of, a lot of people would have gone, okay, what do you... And they'd have argued, yes, they can, yes, they can. Actually, all it needed was, right, okay, it just needed a bit of empathy and a, well, we're going to have to explore that further and an acknowledgement and knowing that it's there. And a lot of people don't split it down. So then he gets into chapter six where he gives us a little bit of science, doesn't he? It does, brilliantly. I underlined something here. He refers to a drug, so there's chapter six, sorry, it's called The Science Behind the Hurt. Yes. And he's talking about, you, you, he's talking about being hunter-gatherers and your brain and all the rest of it. Uh, and he says, scientists have even discovered that taking Tylenol reduces the pain of rejection 
whilst it has no impact on other emotions. So I read this on the train. So I thought, right, well, I'm going to go into Amazon and I'm going to buy some Tylenol. Well, it's a period pain, <laughs> basically. But people get hooked on it. Right. And when you, put in, I mean, you put in Tylenol on Amazon, I thought, I'll buy some for me and Johnny. It'd be a little surprise on the show. A little present. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll and drop a couple before we get on the phone. <laughs> people get really hooked on this. It's like... What, on Tylenol? Yep. What, is it not paracetamol? No, definitely not. Oh, really? Definitely not. It sounds like a pretty hardcore, you know, nearly prescription drug that people get hooked on. Yeah, so uh, the, the point he's making is that uh, rejection or perceived rejection creates physiological response similar to that of flight or fight, fight or flight, uh, and it creates the same physiology. And the, the reason for that is that we are biologically designed to avoid rejection because re avoiding rejection... This is rejection, it, you end up outside the cave and you're going to starve. Avoiding rejection, we, we avoid it because it's an evolutionary throwback to the point at which we didn't want to be rejected by the tribe, thrown out of the cave and starved and killed by a And what use do you tiger. think that is to the salesperson reading this book? I think it's... Well, he talks later on, doesn't he, about the importance of self-awareness. Correct, yeah. Correct. Um, I've always thought that is one of the best well, characters. How often of any we? And we'll, come, we'll almost certainly come back to that. But what he's trying to create in the book in chapter six is giving people an understanding that it's perfectly natural to have a tight feeling in your stomach when a client objects. Please note brackets that it's an objection, not a rejection. Yes, yes, but yes. But most people are perceiving it as rejection and that that's a perfectly natural human emotion. At what point does he talk about being a conditioned response? Is it this chapter? I'm pretty sure of it, yes. Because actually... Oh, no, he goes into chapter seven, the curse of rejection. Because... Um, and, he, and he does give a pretty nice sort of... Uh, I, I'll tell you what I think is a really smart way he puts it. Because what he's creating is a platform to explain the science behind how we react to, and I, and, and, to, and, and let's get it right. Sometimes he, he makes this point in, he, he says in chapter seven, sales is an unnatural profession. It is. It is and it isn't. What he's saying is. It's an it, important life skill. I think. Of course it is. But what he's effectively saying is, it's a natural part of working and living in groups. We're all selling all the time, mostly in the form of convincing our children. And then the point he's actually making is that what, what you're doing as a salesperson is in the rejection-dense environment of professional selling, rejection acts less like a guide and more like a wall. When you hit the wall, you can't turn around and go back. You cannot stay where you are and do nothing. You must find a way to get round it, past it, over it, or through no. He says it's not the most difficult profession on the planet because to be successful, you must seek out rejection. Well, that's his point, isn't it? But yeah. in the sales profession, the most important discipline is asking. Yeah. When you ask, there will be objections. So he's saying, to be a good salesperson, you've got to ask. But if you're going to ask, you're going to get rejected. Yeah, he's saying it's part of the game. It's just, and I tell you, it gives a good example. I mean, you, you, one of my, I wouldn't say he's a mate, but I used to train with a guy who was a Thai boxer called Scott, who's now a professional bare-knuckle boxer. Who's <laughs> bare-knuckle? Yeah, yeah, he's nuts. And I, and, and I did a couple of sessions with him, just straight one-on-one -on -one sparring, sort of like personal PT. And I tell you what, I thought I'd nailed him quite a few times. Didn't bother him. Because good at, it was a conditioned response. He's good at getting hit. Well, it's conditioned response. Yeah, he's good at getting and this, hit. And it's the same. This is a conditioned response. And I'd say uh, the other example... Completely got me on this. Yeah. The other example I thought was just a brilliant one. My dad was a wagon driver. And he then had a plate, plating business where they deliver cars singularly. 
And he said the single most impressive thing he's ever seen was he was the passenger with one of the guys who he employed, who was an ex-traffic policeman. He said, and my dad had done a lot of driving. He was a wagon driver. He said, my dad was sat in the passenger seat. He just saw this crash unfolding ahead of him. He said, the traffic policeman, just as calm as you like, just seemed to drift past it. And everybody else seemed to get wrapped up in it. And then they stopped and the traffic police, and my dad was saying, he's having a cup of tea with him afterwards. And uh, he said, you seem pretty calm, you know, in that. And he said, this traffic policeman, when, if you'd seen as many of them as I have, you'd be calm. And that's Blount's point, isn't it, about the guy that's knocking on the door saying, yeah. can I play football in your backyard? Just yeah, well, he's used to taking absolutely. it. Absolutely, about being rejection And that's the same proof. with every profession. So where he's going with these four chapters, five, six and seven, is what he's leading up to is, it's a conditioned response. We all respond to rejection yes. in the same way. And where he's trying to take you in the book is to say, he's giving you scientific evidence that says, the reality is, Everybody gets hit. You're going to get hit loads. If you're not getting hit, you're not doing the job properly. Yeah, it's contact sport. We always say that. Yeah, it's a contact sport. You know, sometimes people, sometimes I get it. Sometimes customers object, apologize for, you know, I'm not going to offer your candidate a job or I'm really sorry, but your candidate's not made it through. I get that with clients when I meet them face to face. And they apologize to you. I'm really sorry I gave you a hard time to start with. And, yet, I, and my response is always, listen, it's contact sport. I knew what the rules were when I turned yeah. up. But Jeb Blount's point is I'm, sh I'm sure going to be. He's going to say, get hit, get hit, get hit. Condition your response, condition your response, yeah. condition your response. And what he's and saying don't is, flap under pressure. It's part of the game. You're going to get hit. And then where he re and then what he really gets into is uh, this and chapter eight where it gets useful. Well, well let's just down this book because I did wonder. He said in his brilliant book to sell his human. I thought, is that start? Is that our next book? Daniel Pink. Um, I've read it. It's all right. Right. Oh, well, if you've read it. I, 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 I'll have a it's flick you, through it. You, a, no, our next book's Keith Rosen's Sales Leadership. Ah, yes, yes, we've got Mr. It's Rosen's here. book, haven't we? Keith Un Rosen. Underneath the cactus. It, this is very, very new, and Keith is actually going to come on the show. Cool. Yeah, he's actually committed to it. In fact, that is a complimentary copy from Keith. Mm. I always knew we'd make it as, as content creators, um, so I'll put it there for anybody who's interested, particularly sales leaders want to learn a thing or two. So, yeah... Um, he does talk about Daniel Pink. They are good books, the Daniel Pink books, particularly Drive was the one. We've just been talking about that in our coaching session, haven't we? We have, yeah. Yeah, and the... I've not read it, though. No. So, and he then talks about fight or flight, but then it starts to get interesting in Chapter 8. Um, and where he's really taking Chapter 8, which is entitled Rejection Proof... Let's read the opening line. I thought it was brilliant. No one can make you feel inferior without your consent. No. And I think what we have to do is take into some context here, which this book is not designed for people in the technology sales industry that are working at enterprise software vendor X. I think it's designed for everybody. It's designed for everybody. So it's designed for a, a, a general common well, my denominator. Sister had, my sister had a week as a salesperson selling online advertising to plumbers. Can you imagine what the response well, was the, like? The, you see, there will have been more rejection than objection there. Oh, she tell me what she used to tell me what they used to say to her. Yeah. And she'd say, How do you put up with that all day? I said, They don't say that to me. Because yeah. they deal with sort of sensible people. Yeah. There'll have been a lot more re rejection than objection here. And then what he, and then it starts I think those five, six and seven were interesting because he gave us the platform of Of eight, yeah, I agree. Yeah, but in reality eight's where this whole thing gets gets interesting. So he firstly talks about the seven disruptive emotions, doesn't he? Which yes. are, what are they, Pricey? 
I've got them here. Fear, desperation, insecurity, need for significance, attachment, eagerness, eagerness. and worry. So fear, you know, fear is the root cause of most failure in sales. I'll tell you what always happens, I think, when you employ young salespeople, I can tell when they're going to fail because they spend a lot longer looking at the webpage of the company they're about to call before they call or them. Or spending ages looking at a candidate's LinkedIn profile. And why is that? It's because they are insecure and they are trying to make themselves feel more secure by looking at the information. They're frightened about what's going to happen before it happens. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Don't hit me. Oh, I got hit. <laughs> Right. What, what, if he say, what if he says X? What if he says Y? Yeah, correct. Whereas actually, you're better off just picking up the phone, ringing and ringing somebody, yeah, and just getting into getting into the fight. And then uh, I think desperation is a really interesting one here. Well, it causes you to become needy and weak. I tell you what, the candidates that do the best are just those who aren't needy in any way. Ah, that's an interesting one. Because for us as recruiters, so what you're saying is the candidates that aren't needy are the ones that do the best. In interviews. Yes, but often the candidates that aren't needy are often the ones who aren't actually looking for a job. That's a good point. I'm talking about and, the investor in interviews. And, but, and, and actually, yeah, they do do incredibly well in interviews, but then they more often than not turn the job down. Yeah, that's a good Because they don't need a job, because they don't have any pain. But they do smash interviews. And that's the danger as a recruiter that comes back down to qualification, which is a whole separate yeah, well, what's conversation. What's your lesson to your client? Because what does every client want? Every client wants somebody that's under 10% target last year. And, often, and, you know, on the rare occasion when you haven't qualified a candidate properly for pain and actually they've got their, they are not got need and they're not needy, there's a certain swagger about them. They walk into an interview and they just nail every other candidate and then turn the job down and stay where they are. Uh, insecurity. Yeah. It's one for you. <laughs> Causes you to feel alone as if you own, as if you and only you have a big sign on your back that says reject me. <laughs> you get that, don't you? How often we, I've seen You know, I'm laughing people, about it. I can see why, can, well, I can see why Well, it's a projection. Some people project that. Yeah, they do, yeah. A lot of it is, uh, interestingly, and, and, and I don't do you know, know what, Do you know what they reminded me of, these things? It's what? a very crude analogy. Is it reminded me of when I used to go out and try and chat up girls? Yes, well, he talked, and we've, we've said before, don't we? Very. I think customers smell insecurity. Mm. I think customers are like dogs. Yes, they are. You know, like a dog smells fear. Yes, it does. And in yes. the same way, a dog senses that you're the leader of the pack. Yes. Yeah, dogs yeah. are odd. They're, they're very clever. They're, they're sensitive creatures, aren't they? Customers sense when they're dealing with the leader of nope. the pack. Customers sense when they're dealing with a salesman that hasn't sold much for ages. What do you think of this one, the need for significance? See, that will have been a hard one for you to compute. Yeah, yeah I mean, I have no interest in that. But I think a lot of the people don't. Go on. So, so I'd say what's interesting is, right, so when I'm interviewing a candidate, I say, you know, we'll place uh, account execs, new business, account management, you know, sales director, sales manager. And the candidate goes, well, listen, the title is not important. I think, oh, the title is important then. And I think to myself, title's important. Why is title important? Whatever you do, Mike, don't worry about what job title I get. Yeah. And then, and then that just takes me down this train of thought that then I pick away at. Yeah, okay. And I well, pick away. I think there's a, a cent, there's a fair percentage of people that we work with that have an overwhelming need for significance where actually a lot of it, you know, we used to work with a fella 
And I always used to say in every conversation with him, there's three of you in the room, you, him, and his ego. Yeah, yeah. Cause and, 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 and the ego, and that, and, and equally, I think sometimes you meet certain candidates where a lot of what drives them is the need for significance. What he's saying is it's a disruptive emotion in as much as it treats rejection as a threat and therefore it triggers fight or flight and therefore it causes irrational behaviour. And you do see that in a lot of salespeople. Mm, I agree. I, do I, don't agree. Say, I, thought... I wouldn't say in all, but I do see that a lot. Oh, well, let's get it right. Every, every person that we deal with, me, you, everybody else, has got these, some of these characteristics. It's yeah. just it's human nature, you know, human people. Now, here's an interesting one. Attachment causes you to become so emotionally focused on winning, getting what you want and looking good in front of others, wanting everyone to agree with you and always being right that you lose perspective and objectivity. Can you be too emotionally focused on winning? That question? Yeah. Can you be too emotionally focused on winning? I'm not sure about that. Well, maybe that's because I'm really attached to winning. Um... Do you know, you've put that in a different light, actually. I hadn't thought about that when I read it, to be honest. Um, attachment is the enemy of self-awareness. I don't know. It'd be interesting to get some feedback on that. I don't know. And the genesis of delusion. Nice. I, I've got to say, he's got a nice turn of phrase. I wonder if he wrote it. Yeah, and then, then after he gives you these key emotions, what he basically gets into is actually some nitty-gritty... What, where the, these four chapters get you to is a point that he basically says is, get good at getting hit. Uh, and I think he says, get good at getting hit and, and figure out how you react to it. Yeah, so you get can control good at, your reaction. Yeah, get good at A, knowing how you react, B, knowing how to react. Yeah. And get good at, get good at being given objections. I remember the first Before brief. you even start handling... What, so where he's trying to take us is, before you even start thinking about handling and overcoming an objection... Actually, a large part of the process is just being good at being aware that those objections are there, being aware of how you react to the objection and getting good at managing your emotional response to the objection. Yes, because he talks about self-talk. Uh, and and yes, yeah, so let's go through and develop uh, self-awareness. Now, you mentioned this earlier. I'm massive on that. I'll tell you what's really interesting is, you know, I'm a big Tim Ferriss show fan. Yeah, yeah. So I listen to the Tim Ferriss podcast. Tim Ferriss wrote a book called Tribe of Mentors, which is his most recent book. And in it is a distillation of pretty much every podcast that he's done over the last couple of years with the top guests he's had on the podcast. And one of the key questions he asks them is something like, uh, what one thing do you do that makes the significant difference to you, to you, the way you perform your life, etc.? Nearly all of them meditate. Literally, you go through the book, oh yeah, I meditate at least twice a day. And what and and the whole part of it, if you've ever if you've never meditated, I don't think you, you're somebody that's got into meditation. But the whole point of meditation is being aware of your own thought. So one, no, but what, I am one, very aware of what I think. So what one does in meditation is one observes one's own thinking, like it's passing weather. And what Jeb is saying here is develop your self awareness. Be aware of actually your own thinking. And how often do we meet people who aren't self aware, that are often in quite the tailspin. Yeah, not so much in our market. I think if we interviewed general salespeople, that might be different, I would think. I think it's a split. split. Do you reckon? Yeah. So self-awareness. And then positive visualisation, what do you reckon to that? So he's saying, before you go into a meeting, what you should be doing is visualising how you want I think to, a, to I think he's a bit. I think he's a bit uh, Gareth Cheeseman, really. 
I'm a tiger. Yeah, but I sort of think there's valid. I, I thought, yeah, it's all right. You know, I, I, I didn't really think much of that, to be perfectly honest. Um, managed self-talk? Yeah, managed self-talk. See what I... I, I uh, what, what, what he's talking about here is, you know, prospects on the phone gives you a hard time kind of thing. And, and, and then, you, then you dwell on it. His point is, prospects giving you a hard time, and then the minute they put the phone in, they don't remember who you are. So it's a one-off transaction that they don't care and, about. And so why would you bother about uh, and, and it? And you're, you're sitting there, there letting it rock your boat. Stewing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not. So they're not. They're on to the next task. Yes, I, I, I yeah, I, I do. I think that would have been nicer put if he talked about compartmentalizing each different interaction you have with each different prospect. So see what I think happens. Well, we is, often talk about putting it in its box. Yeah, exactly. I, th- I, I think there should be something here about if he was talking about managing your own self-awareness. One of the key skills I think that some people do very well is putting each individual item into its own box so then it doesn't uh, af- affect the box next to it. Yes. You know, I, th- I think that's you know more important and that would have been a better thing to uh, put uh, well, in there. My, my objection to this book about objections is, you know, develop self-awareness. You've given me a chapter on what in reality is a book in itself. Yeah, I agree with that. And then change your physiology. Same about positive physio- visualization. Same about managing your self-talk. What about change your physiology? You know, so we've been using standing desks for a long time now. I can stand up all day, actually. We've been using standing desks for what, five, six yeah, years? Yeah, I think the standing desk is awesome. And then the next one is interesting. Stay fit. Stick on physiology for a minute. I'd have treadmill desks, me. Well, here's an interesting point that we disagree on then. So you dress scruffily, I dress smartly. I'm only saying that to wind you up, really. But the whole concept of why people wear a suit and why they don't wear a suit, I think there's a mindset in that as well, don't you? Huge! Well, for me, he he talks about that. He says these guys are looking... He he, he says when he's on stage presenting at an event, he wears his best suit. If I I meet... I I wear a suit at home. If I meet... Yeah. And people meet me online, they go, is that in your house, Mike? I say, yeah. So you're wearing a suit? So obviously, whereas, and then they go, oh. Whereas, funny, I dress for the occasion. So if I, so for example, today, I dress for the job. Whereas, yeah, but what did I wear yesterday? Because I spent most of the day on my phone. Had a I, suit on. I dress what, for the job. Wednesday, spent most of my day on the phone. What did I do? Had my suit on. Today, been social media. We've had a couple of management meetings. I've done a bit of thinking and almost not far off software development. I'm wearing jeans, a shirt, and so. For me, it's about wearing... So I think the physiology is very similar to yes, the... Yes, I agree. You put in your coat of armor. You, that's not just your suit. That's your suit of armor price. Exactly. And then what do you think about stay fit? Uh, <sighs> See, my problem is, I know plenty of fat, successful salespeople. I know some top fat guys. But, I mean, this is a very Zig Ziglar thing. In sell your... They, I mean, I'm into Zig Ziglar here. Zig says, in sell your way to the top. And it's one of my favorite quotes in any sales book. He says, there's no use going to that final call of the day if you're too pooped to pop. Yeah, I mean, I'm in. I train five times a week. I mean, <laughs> you know, I do. Yeah. So, um, I, I'm, and, you know, we were talking the other day about, well, let's get it right. Fit people's hearts beat slower. They do, yeah. Therefore, when faced with an objection, they are less likely to have as adrenal a response. I know, but, I, and, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting, though, you know, cleverest man I know lives at the bottom of my street. He's self-aware of the fact that he's fat. He's not fat, fat. It's just maybe three, two stone overweight. But, but bloody clever, you know. But do a, you know something? The I, I think there's more to it. 
being fit gives you a mindset of a lot of it is like the other day i got up i sprinted up and down the hill near my house six times right which is it's weird behavior for a fella my age but when i left the hill and i walked back to my house and i got in the shower and i had my healthy breakfast and then got in my car and came to work sat in my car thinking i'm a top boy i'm a top boy i'm a top boy. oh listen johnny i ran to work yesterday yeah and in my mind that gave made me feel like a top guy i'd won the day already i'd trained so it was it necessarily the fitness no it was the fact that i knew i could look the world in the eye and say yeah that's right i got up five o'clock this morning i've practiced my piano for a bit and then i've been up sprinting up and down the hill what what is good about saying and that's here, whilst actually. you lot are all still in bed he's, he's, he's saying you don't have to go and pump iron he's saying take the stairs Park yeah. in the back of the parking lot, do 25 push-ups. Yeah. Improve self-esteem, I, I think a lot of the problem that the salespeople that we deal with have is it's very, very difficult to eat healthily on the road. And in hotels. Say what you want, you know it is. Well, he talks, a bit, he talks a bit about fuel, doesn't he? More difficult, more difficult. Fuel, caffeine. Yeah, more difficult. So, and, and he is right. He's absolutely bang right. If you've had five cups of coffee this morning and you're wired and you get hit with an objection, are you going to react as well as the guy that's maybe had one cup of coffee, a nice big bowl of porridge with bananas on it, and a litre of water? Who's going to react better? No, I agree. There's going to be something in that. He then so, came on to a subject which I've always thought actually is interesting. Uh, he was talking about people in the military. Go on. Well, the drills. Oh, well, it I wasn't wrote. the drills bit actually that I was bothered about, really. Um, it, it, it was... He was talking about there's some combat veterans um, who then had to do some cold calling. And, I've, you know, I've really, you know, uh, made that much <laughs> shorter than the page. Um, and he said, these combat veterans who've put, you know, have had people shoot at them. Um, are petrified of making petrified a cold, of cold call. Petrified of cold calling. Yeah, yeah. And he goes, I think I'd rather be a cold caller than, than get shot at. And I remember working with Chris Scott. Scotty! In 2002, when there was a crash in the IT market, and he went... It's not as bad as being shot at in Ireland because he was it was in he'd done a couple of tours of Ireland as a and as I tell you what soldier. it still sticks with me that he was a hundred percent on the money. He used to say, "What, what are people are what are people afraid of? What are you what you worrying about? It's not you've that got a nice, shot at. <laughs> it's a nice warm office. You've got a nice brew on the desk, yeah. and you're not getting shot at." And, and he was right. And he used to say, "Oh, it's really hard. This what." cold calling all day it's a lot easier than getting shot at yeah yeah yeah, yeah but it was interesting perspective from him wasn't it yeah it was um, what's this bit push pulls with a ledge what's uh, all that I don't about? Know what page you're on 76 I've, I've, I've skipped that actually i just put this is just listen pause clarify yeah that's literally what i put this up the so page. that so so what he's saying basically is over the four chapters is one you're going to get rejection get used to it yeah um and it's a sign and the reality is your heart's going to beat faster because uh, you're evolutionarily designed to do that and that's how we're all built two you've got to get good at being rejected before you even start thinking about uh objections and then three you've got to get good at buying yourself some thinking time with your clear head now we were always taught and i was taught when i worked at parcel force if you got an objection you did something called listen pause and clarify 
And effectively, push pause with the ledges is what he's talking about, isn't it? Which is... I don't know why these sales writers always try and reinvent but everything. What, and why what he's basically put, talking about is... What he's, listen, what he's effectively saying is... Said so buy yourself a bit of time, let your heart rate drop. Buy yourself a bit of time, let your heart rate drop and try and think about what the objection is in front of you and, and, and what the presenting objection is. Um, and he's kind of given a couple of different examples of how to do that, hasn't he? Yes. The this or that technique and push pause with a ledge... Um, so what he's effectively saying is when you get hit finally with your objection, because you're fit, because you've managed your self-talk, because you've managed your visualisation, your next step in the process is just buying yourself a little bit of thinking time and cl clarity time before you then start getting into your response. That's what he's saying, isn't it? And then the next bit is obstacle immunity, which I do... Well, this is what I was talking about. Yeah. I underlined a lot of this, really. Yeah, I thought that... The, the, I think this is really interesting. Now... This comes back to the to and fro conversation we have a lot about scripting. Mm. So, I'm going to use a sports analogy. Last weekend, Wigan Warriors won the Super League title. I thought they did. A uh, lot of Wigan fans have been a bit moany about Wigan Warriors because the coach, who's now gone, gone Scottish Rugby Union, um, Wigan are incredibly, incredibly well drilled and they run a process from... Apparently, age 13 upwards, it's the same process. And under, under this particular coach, everybody knows what their job is and the process is incredibly drilled. And they look like a well-drilled outfit. They look like a machine, not like a rugby team. It's like a machine. It's, just, it's very mechanical how they work, but it's incredibly effective. Now, what he's doing with that is very similar to what they do in the army, which is... If you're that well drilled with process and systems and what to do... Well, you keep that, your shit together when somebody shoots at you. Thank you very much. You'll keep your shit together when somebody shoots at yeah, you. I agree. And similarly, what he's talking about, obstacle immunity, he's talking about if you're that well drilled with your objection handling and you've practised enough and you're that on top of it, in the final analysis, you'll keep your shit together when you get an objection. Yeah, yeah. You won't um, flap. You won't flap. You won't That's flap. That's what he said, yeah. You, you'll have great... Uh, the, the, the words I wrote down were grace under fire. Mm. And I've often said to people that we've recruited, you know, you've got to learn your scripts, you've got to learn your scripts so that you've got time to think. Time on the ball. Buy yourself time on the ball. Learn your scripts. Well, that was Scotty. You know, let's get it right. You know, he's a nice man, but, you know, he was hardly... He didn't have any charisma at all. No. But he was super well drilled with his scripts, wasn't he? The other thing he talks about, and the other thing he's alluding to in this obstacle immunity thing, is he's talking about putting yourself in a place where you're doing tough things. So he talks about Spartan racing and doing tough stuff, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. And it, I'll tell you something that I found really useful that has made me... It's going to sound ridiculous if you're going to laugh at, laugh at this. Is, Probably. Um, I, I do this hot Bikram yoga thing in a 42 degree heat room and the class is in 90 minutes. so difficult. <laughs> the class is in 90 minutes and if you've ever done it, it can be really hard to not take a knee and kneel on the mat feeling like you're going to die. But actually a lot of what goes on in the 90 minute class is a little battle in your own mind. Of course it is. It always is. It's a battle in your own mind between you sport. and yourself. That's yeah. sport. It's you and yourself. And sometimes I look around the room and I look at people and they're on their knees and on their hands and knees and they look like they're about to vomit. And I'm like, I'm not doing it. I'm not going on my There's knees. lots of sports analogies like that. You know, golf is very similar. You know, put the, put, you know, you put the triple bogey behind you 
yeah. on the next hole. You know, obviously boxing is the same. So now if you need to, if you, want to hit somebody, if you want to hit somebody when you're boxing, you're going to get hit. Full stop, that's it. There's loads of sports yeah. like that. Just and, loads and so what he's, what he's talking same. about, this fellow with... Uh, Oh, running is a real is a real one, isn't it's it? It's a mental battle. You're on your own. Yeah, it's you versus the road, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So, and I think that's one of the things he's talking about. In, in, in he's alluding to in this obstacle immunity. It's really painful flicking through the pages using my Mac. I'm never forgetting this book ever again. Um, is that uh, like forgetting your uh, sports kit when you were six at school and they make you? And you want to <laughs> That's how I feel. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then what's what's this final bit? Adversity is your most powerful teacher. I think that's the point we were just making, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'd close the book because I thought we'd made that point, really, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean... Well, he actually says, doesn't he? Joe DeSena's Spartan races are designed for the very same purpose, to build obstacle immunity. Participants participate challenging and painful tests of will. Self-control in the face of obstacles is like a muscle. So the overall gist of the four chapters, if you're going to read the book, and it is worth reading, I've got to say I'm rather enjoying it actually, is you're going to get hit, this is the science behind it, you're going to fire off adrenaline and cortisol and all sorts of other stuff because you're naturally built that way, that when you get an objection, most, people, most people's subconscious minds perceive it as rejection. Um, as a result of that, you've got to get good at understanding A, how you react, and be learning how to react in that situation and keeping your shit together. It's pretty much the four chapters, isn't it? Yes, and all very valid. Yeah, really good, I thought, actually. And do you know what? It, it's a more in-depth look at objections than anybody else has ever done, to be fair to the guy. It's a good book. I'm liking it so far. Yeah. But, but second favourite one I've read. What's your favourite one thus far? Wolf of Wall Street. The Wall Street one. Yeah. The, right? Okay. Whilst I didn't agree with him, I thought at least his ideas are different and he's got some. And then what it looks like is next week, we get. Uh, I'm just looking ahead here in the book, uh, it looks like next week we're getting into some specific objection handling stuff. And actually chapter 10 is prospecting objections. When you fail to interrupt, you fail. Uh, and other stuff. I'm, I'm, so I'm quite excited about that actually. Good. Uh, yeah, and then chapter 11, yes, has a number. Sales is governed by numbers. So yeah, I, I think this is proving to be for me, Fanatical Prospecting is one of the best sales books I ever read. I found it very inspiring and it gave me a, a kick at a time in my own career that I, I actually really needed, I think. Um, and this has really helped. It's good. Good. Right. So what time is it, Pricey? 12 minutes past five. We've been on air for about 35 minutes. I think we've brought this one in a lot shorter. We've done four chapters today in about 35 minutes, might we point out. Uh, next week, we'll see you here again, 4.30. Thank you very much.